Own the Future Vodka Series with Claudia Lee. Nutanix CIO Series, Nutanix Drinks Our Own Champagne. Episode 2, Nutanix Operating Model and Vendor Ecosystem. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Own the Future Partner Vodcast Series, where we bring industry experts to you, our partner community, to talk about key issues that are top of mind for you. So this is part two of a series that we call Nutanix Drinks Our Own Champagne with our illustrious Nutanix CIO, Wendy Pfeiffer. Last episode, Wendy talked about how Nutanix fits into the overall landscape of IT decision makers in the industry with a study called Enterprise Cloud Index. And that was kind of just setting the foundation for our conversation today, where we will talk about how Wendy's organization implements the Nutanix operating model with that hybrid cloud um, ideal in mind for, for our company. So welcome, Wendy. So excited to have you back. Oh, I'm happy to be here. And I love talking about IT and my own organization. Um, you know, I, I'm blessed to have um, what I think of as one of the best teams in the business. And the work that I'm talking about is their work. Um, and and I'm just uh, I'm, I'm proud uh, to say that I'm associated with such a great team and and using these these cool technologies. I want to talk about our operating model and I want to talk about our technology. Um, and both of those are components of this hybrid cloud operations mode. All right. So, um, Claudia, I'm going to start with the operating model itself, and and I'll sort of talk through. Um, this is this is the the revelation. This is the key to what makes um, a, an operation run effectively across all of these different substrates. And we'll just kind of break it down. So the first thing is in my organization we have defined seven logical groupings of IT service capabilities. And 100% of everything that we do has to fall into only one of these logical groupings. So nothing we do um, is outside of one of the seven zones and everything we do fits into just one of the zones. There's nothing magic about the number seven. We started with something like 50, um, but oh, wow. uh, you, you know, we tried to get down to like um, the smallest number of, of zones that we could. Um, and so Wendy, what's an example of one of the seven logical zones? Well, so for example, I mean, we, we, so we're in IT, we don't, we don't do marketing very well. So, you know, we don't have cool names, although seven dwarves would have been awesome. Um, what we do instead is we, they're numbered. So like, it, for example, in zone two, I have our DNS and DHCP services, and I also have our workday application. Um, and so let's talk about why that could be. Um, what makes these zones hybrid cloud zones is that each logical zone runs in three places. So um, they run in all of our IT managed data centers. Um, to let you know, I, I run eight global large scale data centers running about 25,000 nodes in those data centers. So this is a large scale uh, operation. And each of our data centers has within it each of the seven logical zones. Uh, with infrastructure that's in each of those zones. And like I mentioned, DNS, DHCP, for example, runs in zone two in all of our data centers. Also, though, each logical zone, zone one, zone two, zone three, 
include everything we run in our public clouds, in all of the public clouds, and AWS and GCP and Azure, et cetera. And so um, there are seven logical zones running in AWS, as an example. And, you know, through acquisition, Nutanix has acquired um, a couple of companies, uh, one called Beam, one called Frame, uh, and IT runs operations for those companies. And those companies have products that run solely in public cloud. And so these are not, you know, software products, products running on premises, hardware. These are, um, you know, public facing at scale cloud environments and we have the zones running uh, in, in their operating environments as well. And then thirdly, for all of our um, third party and internal SaaS services. So this is examples, things like Workday, Salesforce, um, some of our own internal uh, and, and externally facing SaaS services also um, run across these substrates. So that the, the notion here is that this hybrid cloud public cloud, more than one, and on-premises, every one of these zones is a hybrid cloud, and collectively, they're a hybrid cloud as well. And so that sounds complicated. Yeah, and that's, um, so that's helpful, Wendy, to just define that for me, and that's kind of why I was asking about your definition of zones, because the zone is not a location, the zone is a type of service that you're providing to internal and external users. Yeah, and it's and this is why we sort of emphasize it's logical, right? It's not physical. It's not a physical location. It's a logical container, a logical grouping. Gotcha. Uh, and so, why do we do that? Um, well, this is this is the revelation, and this is the um, the potential of uh, hybrid cloud, and that is that IT in general prefers to run infrastructure as code, and so at Nutanix. Um, each of our zones runs on a foundation of our operating system called AOS and our hypervisor called AHV. And having that common foundation, so this, you know, AOS and AHV run in our data centers on hardware from Lenovo, HP, Dell, uh, uh, you know, IBM, et cetera, and on, uh, you know, our instances running in public cloud. Now, when you have a common foundation, a common substrate, then you can write fully automated operating instructions just once, which allow us to operate the, the services that we operate autonomously, no matter where they're running, no matter what hardware they're running on, what data center they're running on, what public cloud they're running on. And the, you know, what IT prefers to do, we like to do as many automated things as possible. We also like to write once and reuse many times. And so we write these operating instructions once for each logical zone and things we call logical zone runbooks. And then that that same um, run automation is reused across any of our managed substrates. And so this thing is called infrastructure as code. Um, it feels a little DevOps-like, um, but, but DevOps is, is not um, a run mode that originated in IT. Um, it has very, very good um, you know, uh, components for IT. But one of the, the advantages that IT has is that um, from, from our inception, we have had the, the charter to run technology efficiently and effectively. 
Um, we still have to do things like be innovative and scale out and so on, but we're very cost conscious. We're very resource conscious. And so um, having the ability to run public cloud infrastructure in the same efficient and effective way, in fact, the exact same efficient and effective way that we run infrastructure on premise allows us to much more cost effectively and efficiently run public cloud infrastructure. And it also does one more thing. It enables our team members to be much more efficient and effective. So, you know, we have SLAs, service level agreements that we use to run each of these seven logical zones. And I have a very small team, I mean, genuinely small team who run all of these environments, these 25,000 nodes in our data centers, the public cloud environments, they provide 24 by seven support um, and they extend those logical zone run books, run books with machine learning and natural language processing code, essentially to enable self-service and to enable much more speedy um, responsiveness to things. And we'll, we'll talk later about um, how that shows up in the form of um, metrics and cost effectiveness and so on. So Wendy, what you're describing really speaks to that first concept from episode one, where we talked about the ideal operating mode, because what you just described, this entire system, right, really gives that flexibility and agility that it's really about those logical zones, you know, being so um, designed such that they can run on-prem and in the public cloud pretty dynamically, right? Yeah, and, and you know, that gives us vendor choice, which is uh, mm -hmm. what I want to talk about here. So, yeah. um, you know, ultimately um, any existing IT organization is already using a mix of technologies from multiple vendors. And we have tuned that mix of technologies to ensure that we're enabling the things our businesses need us to enable, to ensure that we're helping our employees to be productive. Um, and most IT departments have a ton of automation code that they've already built to run this mixed environment. Um, you know, one choice when you're running a really mixed environment is to have specialists to run each thing. And way back when in the old days, we would have, you know, storage engineers and specialized, you know, network engineers and, you know, systems engineers, you know, special ones for Windows and special ones for Linux and so on. And so we had these, we had, first of all, larger teams but also when we were running multiple vendors and multiple environments and so on, um, there was complexity uh, delivering end-to-end -end services, keeping our SLAs and, and sort of showing up in that mixed environment. And, you know, when I came to Nutanix, I would joke that, um, you know, our, our world was like uh, Noah's Ark. You know, I had at least two of every technology on board and we'd sort of left it for a while and, it, you know, every, everybody had, had made, you know, had procreated. So I, we had just this mix of technology mm. and, you know, and is that typical for startup organizations, Wendy, that kind of grow up grassroots, right? Needs pop up, they purchase product. Is that pretty typical in your experience? 
It, it's definitely typical for startups. In our case, you know, we were uh, two things. We were a hardwood hardware vendor in our own right, and then also we had, um, you know, an operating system that we sold to a bunch of different folks. We had OEM relationships with a lot of folks, and so, you know, uh, I, I would say that you know, m many um, larger IT organizations have this this mix and range of um, legacy hardware. Even those of us who have tried to have standards, over time the standards change because vendors come and go, um, because pricing models change. You know, sometimes vendors get pretty draconian when they think you're locked into them. Um, and then in that case, you know, we look for options because ultimately, um, you know, we're, we're financially incentivized as, as CIOs and as IT organizations. You know, we're a cost center for the company and so we have to be cost effective. And often that means having enough of a mix of vendors um, that we can manage a portfolio of vendors and that we can, you know, actually negotiate among different vendors. And so we always have a mix, but, um, you know, the mix helps us with ingest costs. The, um, the mix doesn't help us with run complexity. And so that's mm -hmm. where um, having these logical zones and these SLAs um, really, really helps. And so the message here is most IT organizations, the new ones and the especially um, the larger legacy ones um, are going to have a, a fairly extensive mix of technologies, including new technologies that they're in, invest, ingesting and they're gonna have their own unique run code, their own unique automation, their own unique experts in the team who will be expert at running this unique mix. You know, it's it's like maybe the the ingredients are common, right? The the ingredients might be like, you know, the, you know, the basic ingredients, um, you know, some some meat, some vegetables, some spices, etc. But with those meat, vegetable, and spices, you can make a stew. You could make a soup. You could make, you know, uh, um, a, a cassoulet. You could you could make a chili, right? You could do all kinds of things with the same base ingredients based on how you uniquely mix them together and your recipe. Um, that the company needs to run on. And so when I'm ingesting new technology, I'm ingesting it into an existing ecosystem. And this is where um, Nutanix excels and why I say that this is, this is like you know, drinking our own champagne. Nutanix has as, as its most important product, an operating system that runs virtually anywhere. It runs across all of these hardware platforms and it runs in any of the public clouds. I feel like there's a couple of really important nuggets that I want to make sure our partners get away from this conversation, right? Which is in its simplest form, um, our, our, uh, our, our story that we always tell about our products is freedom of choice and the efficiency that one can gain from that open platform, the operating system and the hypervisor that sits on top of it, AOS and AHB, right? And it's not just marketing messaging, right? You're living it and implementing it and leveraging it every day for a growing organization. And so you're seeing the benefits of that, which is huge. Absolutely. Would you say that running these Nutanix technologies helps you meet your financial goals as a CIO and helps you do your job and your, your team's jobs easier, do you think? Absolutely. Um, 
we had this wonderful experience as we were pursuing our ISO 27001 certification. Um, the auditor's coal fire came back to us and said that we had achieved one of the fastest certification cycles for ISO 27001, 17, and 18 that they had ever experienced in their thousands of customers. And the reason they cited for that was this particular run mode. They said that running on the common foundation of AOS and AHV and all of the other um, integration there with Nutanix tools and third-party tools was like, this what they said in their, their certification notes, was like hitting the easy button, not only for their certification and audit exercise, but also for our team members, because ultimately our starting point it was was something that they knew was um, running well, effective, managed, efficient, inspectable, secure, etc. So they could check that box and then focus on that service layer. And focusing on the service layer is what enables us in IT to meet our objectives of enabling the business uh, of our companies and helping our employees to be more productive. And that, that's our mission. And so we get the we get that KTLO, that keep the lights on for all the stuff we're running. Uh, we, we sort of get that to be more invisible and we focus on the, the service that we're delivering as IT that is massively cost-effective for IT, but also we, we're measuring the employee productivity gains that we're getting and the, and the business enablement gains that we're getting for the company as well. That's fabulous, Wendy. I think that's, you can't get any better than that. You can drop your mic even on that story about your ISO certification. So I think that's a great teaser for our third and final episode of this topic that we'll share in a bit with our partners around taking the strategy that you just described, Wendy, and then what does that mean in terms of results in, in operating metrics that you provide to the organization? So with that, just want to thank you again, Wendy, for this uh, part two of the series and uh, look forward to the third and final series in a bit. Thank you. I look forward to it. Thank you. Thank you.